Hello, everybody. It's Dave Neal, stand-up comic host of Bachelor Nation News. We got all your entertainment in one spot on this afternoon's episode of Bachelor Rush Hour. All right, it's Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. How are you today? October 16th, 2023. Hey, big shout out to my wife. We celebrated our anniversary yesterday. Can you imagine how quickly time goes by? One year, married. Everything else feels the same, but it's nice to it's nice to know legally speaking <laughs> you are not just in love but pursuing love i think that's what we need more of is pursuing love especially in today's world folks it is topsy-turvy out there i'm going to share with you some heavy topics and some light-hearted topics ranging from taylor swift's box office weekend to taylor swift on snl to taylor, it's all taylor swift it's taylor swift rush hour no i've got some bachelor content for you as well we'll get into that did you watch the love is blind reunion last night or over the weekend uh i've got some love is blind content covered it on today's youtube channel not going to cover it too far in depth here but we have kind of the he said she said stacy versus johnny they fought over izzy izzy ended up with neither of them making out with them in a jeep all of the i mean look the question love is blind likes to ask is, is love blind? And unequivocally, the answer is no, it's not blind. It comes with a lot of challenges. That doesn't mean it's superficial. It just means love exists amongst multiple planes. It, it, uh, what love is blind shows in their experiment is that yes, you can learn to love somebody based on the conversations you have with a blank, you know, with a, uh, with a wall separating you two, but that's that simple experiment of love is blind comes with so many other challenges, which is in the moment you're falling in love, you're not going to work. You have nothing else to worry about, nothing else to prioritize. And so you put all of your eggs in this love basket, but that's just not how it works in real life. And I think that's my answer to is love blind? No, simply put. Uh, With that said, the show's interesting, but this year of all of the contestants that were on the show, only one of them made it, you know, made it to today's world. You know, the show filmed a year and a half ago. So look, I mean, do I need to warn you guys with love is blind spoilers? I I don't think so. I don't think so. I'm not telling you which couple, but boy, is it a doozy out there. So, uh, that's your love is blind update. Now, I guess I could play this other uh, piece of content from love is blind. I was going to discuss this on YouTube, but I haven't. Uh, it's not just love is blind. Reality TV has a sexual misconduct problem says insider. And they talk about a contestant on season five, the current season of love is blind. That's suing the production company and her ex. This is a, uh, sort of summed up uh, by a TikTok account called I'm Not a Lawyer, but here's what they have to say about season five of Love is Blind. But if it seemed like there were not as many couples on this season of Love is Blind, it may be because one of the contestants from this season recently filed a lawsuit, and I'm going to break it down for you. If you are a viewer of Love is Blind, you're probably confused as to why you don't know the names Tran Dang and Thomas Smith. But it's because even though they were both participants on this season of Love is Blind, they themselves were completely wiped from all the episodes. Tran Dang, the one who filed the 16-page lawsuit, is alleging assault, false imprisonment, and negligence. And she's suing the producers of the show, Delirium TV and Kinetic Content, and the person that eventually became her fiancé on the show, whose name is Thomas Smith. All right, so we'll be following this lawsuit, but to put it simply, you know, 
the contestants are put in hotel rooms. Some call that sequestering. Bachelor does the same thing. And when they're not filming, they're kind of just left locked in a room. Now, could they walk out on their own? Maybe. Do they have their license taken? I'm not sure. Uh, but uh, because this seems to be going to court, it'll be interesting to see what rights contestants have in the continuous sort of um, breakdown of reality versus reality TV, right? Because uh, everything you see on reality TV is fabricated in one way or another in a Truman Show-like environment. And how much protection do these humans have in the process? That's a question I don't have the answer to, but we'll certainly be following it. So we covered on Bachelor in Paradise today how Kat Izzo is feuding with ex Braden over whether or not it's a big deal that she left him for the next guy. She accuses him of gaslighting her. I believe that's the wrong use of the term. I believe 90 plus percent of the people that use the term gaslighting are 100% wrong in the way that they're using it. But either way, Paradise just continues continues to create drama. And also shout out to the Black Roses podcast. If you need extra content, which I think you always do, go listen to my recap of Bachelor in Paradise and Golden Bachelor with the Black Roses podcast. You can find them on Spotify by just typing in the Black Roses. They are also on Apple Podcasts and other places you can get podcasts. We uh, sp spoke on Friday night and the episode drops today. And it's a real fun and in-depth look to all of the uh, different things going on in the world of Bachelor, Bachelor in Paradise. You're going to love the conversation over there. And also, shout out to Katie Thurston, former Bachelorette and now star of F-Boy Island. Uh, her premiere is today of F-Boy Island. It premieres on the CW Network. I will be attending a live viewing of F-Boy Island at the F-Boy Island premiere party in downtown Los Angeles. Katie will be there and some other Bachelor friends. Maybe we'll see Game of Roses. I know I'm going to see Jess from Your Mom and Dad Pod, formerly Chatty Broad. So very excited to see all them. I will have a vlog of on my new vlog channel, uh, which is called Tasha Courtney and Dave Neal Do Fun Things. You can find that link below or just go on YouTube. That's where I'm going to be posting my sort of in the moment real life videos uh, about life, fun drone shots and in the car testimonials and all that type of stuff. So that will be on the new vlog channel, Tasha Courtney and Dave Neal Do Fun Things. I made that title as a joke because I couldn't think of a better title, but I'm starting to think Tasha Courtney and Dave Neal do fun things is a perfect title. I don't know. So I'll have that up probably tomorrow. I'm probably going to have that up tomorrow. That'll be a quick vlog about what we thought of the F-Boy Island season premiere and some behind the scenes from what might be a red carpet event. I don't know. We'll have to see how that all shakes out. All right. Well, Part of being an independent podcaster is relying on your other independent podcaster friends to help promote each other's content, and I'm going to be doing that right now with one of my favorite podcasts. Have a listen. Hey, I'm Stephanie. And I'm Jackie. And we're the hosts of She's All Batch, your new favorite Bachelor podcast. Not only do we recap The Bachelor, we also have some of the juiciest interviews with the biggest Bachelor stars. And we ask questions that you actually want to know and get some of the most jaw-dropping, behind-the-scenes stories from contestants. We also cover Bachelor news and hear from our listeners who submit Bachelor encounters. We don't care if you're here for the right reasons. We're just happy you're here. Come listen to She's All Batch anywhere you get your podcasts. Join us as we talk shit about our favorite show. I love it. As we talk shit about our favorite show, what a great ending there. Look, She's All Batch is a one of a kind. Any podcast that makes it in this hyper 
competitive bachelor podcasting world that is not an alumni podcast. So not Ashley I, not Ben Higgins, not Nick Vial. They made it because they're good at what they do, folks. And that's why they've got a following because they are crushing it out there. So kudos to She's All Batch. And if you want to go check them out, please do. Don't run, walk, or don't walk, run. <laughs> do whatever you need to do. A skip, a bike, uh, go over there to check out that podcast and enjoy the content they're making out there. All right. Well, it was not, uh, you know, all fun and games on Saturday Night Live this weekend. Pete Davidson uh, was the host for, the, I believe, their first episode back after the writer's strike ended. And here's what he had to say on his cold open. Have a listen. This week, we saw the horrible images and stories from Israel and Gaza. And I know what you're thinking. Who better to comment on it than Pete Davidson? <laughs> well, uh, in a lot of ways, uh, I am a good person to talk about it because when I was seven years old, uh, my dad was killed in a terrorist attack. So I know something about what that's like. Um, I saw so many terrible pictures this week of children suffering, uh, Israeli children and Palestinian children. And uh, it took me back to a really horrible, horrible place. And, um, you know, no one in this world deserves to suffer like that, you know, especially not kids, you know. Um, after my dad died, my mom tried uh, pretty much everything she could do to cheer me up. I remember one day when I was eight, uh, she got me what she thought was a Disney movie, uh, but it was actually the Eddie Murphy stand-up special, Delirious. <laughs> Uh, and we played it in the car on the way home, and, and when she heard the things Eddie Murphy was saying, uh, she tried to take it away. Um, but then she noticed something. Uh, for the first time in, in a long time, I, I was laughing again. Um, I don't understand it, uh, I really don't, and I never will, but sometimes comedy is really the only way forward through tragedy. Um, you know, my heart is with everyone whose lives have been destroyed uh, this week. Um, but tonight, I'm going to do what I've always done in the face of tragedy, and that's try to be fun. Um, remember, I said try. <laughs> and live from New York, it's Saturday night. There it is, folks. The heart-wrenching opening by Pete Davidson. Uh, look, yeah, uh, a lot of people live in a whataboutism world where... It, where it's like, um, you know, oh, oh, you can only have one versus the other. You can't laugh because you have to cry. And you can't do this because you have to do that. Well, there's obviously ongoing horrible instances of tragedy that are existing across the world, both internationally and domestically. And those need to be addressed in the way that they can be. But also, we need to continue to restore our own mental health. And part of what I like about Bachelor Rush Hour is that's what we kind of try to do. It's like, all right, the day's over. You might not just listen to this at the end of the day, but that's the sort of vibe of the podcast. The day's over. The workday is done. Let's restore some dopamine. Let's restore some love, some humor, some lighthearted convos. Now, don't get me wrong. We, spec we speckle in some real stuff here. I never want to sanitize the news for you guys. 
guys. But, you know, in certain stories, I don't want to beleaguer you when you might just be wanting to get home to your kids. I want to restore some of that positive energy. One of the things that is tough with all of the terrible news that exists out there is that we really do exist in a world where I don't believe our human brains are meant to process all of the news that is out there. That's why it used to be like you would get the news once a day at 6 p.m. from a trusted source. Now it's hitting you left and right from Instagram and TikTok and short form and YouTube and podcasts. I get it, folks. I get it can be too much. You know, some days I don't have the mental bandwidth to take on certain subjects. I go, you know what? That's too dark for me today. And if I let people down because I'm not there, then so be it. But I have to remember, you know, to keep my own boundaries because this race that we're on with this podcast and content creation and all that, it is a marathon. Otherwise, I would burn out on day three and that would be the end of it. So I'm going to continue to try to give you guys a healthy mix of celebrity news that doesn't matter and some things that do matter and maybe a smile or two in between. I appreciate everyone who has been along for that ride. All right, well, let's get into our next story. Millie Bobby Brown, we always love a celebrity with three names. She's back in the news and craps on Stranger Things. She said, let's get it over with. Of course, look, she's young and she got her fame from being on a kind of like kids-based show. They called it Young Adult, right? The YA market. And nobody, uh, you know, it's a tale as old as time where somebody who stars in a young adult market then becomes 18 or 19 and they want to tackle bigger and better things. They want to grow. It's fine to feel that way. I don't blame her. Millie Bobby Brown isn't mincing words on how she feels about the show that made her famous, saying she's ready to turn the page. The actress, known for playing Eleven on the hit Netflix series Dating Back Years Now, dished her latest thoughts about ST in a new interview with Glamour, where she pretty much crapped on the gig that gave her her big break. The article notes she likens her final season, which is forthcoming next year, to a senior year in high school, where one's itching to be done with it. She says, when you're ready, you're like, all right, let's do it. Let's tackle this last senior year. Let's get out of here. And look, I'm okay with that. So she wants to take on bigger and badder things. Good for her. Obviously, people will go, oh, she's not appreciative of this or that. It reminds me of Jessica Biel. You remember Jessica Biel? You know, she's obviously married to Justin Timberlake, whatever. But remember when she starred in the show Seventh Heaven? Seventh Heaven. And by the way, the father of that, didn't he go to jail for uh, pedophilia? Uh, (laughs) You know, weird. Uh, But either way, or maybe he went to jail for something even worse than that. I'm not really sure. I don't plan on looking into it today. Either way, I remember when she was on the show, the second she turned 18, she did like a sort of implied nudity shoot on in, uh, you know, one of those adult men's magazines. It might have been Maxim or something like that. Look, it's just common. It's common that you want to spread your wings and not be told what to do. You're finally a legal adult. I totally get it. And uh, I think we can give some grace for those actors and actresses that uh, do want to grow, stretch, and move on. Because sadly, when you play a character in a TV show, there isn't much growth. Like that character doesn't necessarily always have like a 360 degree arc. So here's to seeing what she does next. And speaking of young pop stars... Uh, although she's been around forever. Taylor Swift, she's still young. The Eras Tour is the highest grossing domestic concert film ever. 
Taylor Swift's Eras Tour concert film, not the concert, the film, tallied between 95 million to 97 million during its opening weekend, according to distributor AMC Entertainment. The highest opening concert film of all time and the highest grossing domestic release of a concert film ever. Around 4.8 million people were estimated to have attended. So look, if you think the conversation about Taylor Swift is over, every time we think we couldn't get a bigger Taylor Swift story, it keeps coming out. It is a cultural phenomenon happening, bigger than the Beatles, bigger than Michael Jackson, probably bigger than all of them combined. The pop singer just missed the $100 million benchmark. But you have to remember, they produced this movie for essentially free. I mean, they were already doing the concert, so she was able to produce a $100 million movie. I mean, maybe it'll double or triple in size by the time it's all said and done. And then it's going to go on streaming and make even more money. But it hauled in so much money. I think the last biggest one was the documentary from Justin Bieber called Never Say Never, which hauled in $73 million over the course of its run in theaters in 2011 in a weekend it beat out the previous miley cyrus best of both worlds record opening of 31 million from 2008 so this taylor swift opening is gonna absolutely crush those numbers here because for every gigantic stadium tour that she did uh, for every person that got to see it, there's 50 to 100 people that didn't get to see it. So the Taylor Swift story continues. And she's got some, she's actually involved in some geopolitical stories. A Taylor Swift security guard goes to Israel and is fighting Hamas terrorists. Taylor Swift security guard, who went viral for how well he protected the singer during during her Eras tour, is back home in Israel, joining the army in the fight against Hamas terrorists. The singer's bodyguard flew back to the Middle East amid the deadly fight, according to Iran Suisa of news outlets Israel Hayom, who said the unnamed guard claimed he couldn't stand by while families were slaughtered and burned alive in their homes. He urges others to not stand by and do nothing. Don't be on the wrong side of history. He also put Hamas aggressors on blast, saying it would be an insult to animals around the world to call these terrorists animals. Taylor's guard was reportedly once a member of the IDF before coming over to the U.S. So interesting story there. Now, of course... You know, I can't possibly break down all of the events going on both in Israel and the Middle East, but essentially we've got people on all sides praying and shouting from the rooftops for peace, for a humanitarian solution that doesn't involve unnecessary death. That is not exactly what we're seeing play out right now. We're hearing stories of people that are evacuating, being attacked, and it's it's not you know, like we've said before, an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. And I'll tell you firsthand, I don't know what news is accurate. I don't know if there's white phosphorus being used or not being used. I don't know if I don't see something with my with my own eyes or from a trusted news source, what to believe. But I think we can all agree on this. No more civilians need to be killed. They need to find a way to find the bad guys and de-escalate. Sadly, I feel like we're heading in the opposite direction, but I'm really not too sure. And how do you transition out of that topic? Jada Pinkett Smith says her memoir brought, her memoir brought Will Smith in her closer. Look, I, I, I brought this story up just to say I could care less. And I don't know one person that cares about, about the uh, Will Smith, uh, Jada Pinkett Smith storyline. But anyway, We'll have to see uh, if if any if any information. I mean, are they back together again? Zero investment. I don't know. 
And sadly, over the weekend, Suzanne Summers uh, died at 76 following a cancer battle. I remember her from the, the 1990s hit show Step by Step, Day by Day. You know, that's uh, the show from TGIF, Step by Step. Either way, she, um, of course, is an icon, both as an actor. And I mean, look, she was fired from a show because she wanted uh, to be paid as much as her male counterparts. This is someone who, and, you know, she didn't get what she wanted in that time, but looking back on it, boy, in some ways was Suzanne Summers uh, discounted, but she was a force. And 20 years after initially getting breast cancer, finds that it returned just three months ago and has now passed away. Suzanne Summers, rest in peace. Drew Barrymore's post-strike season premiere has a meandering muddle that could use better writing, they say. Yikes. Of course, anyone who's a writer is going to stick up for other writers. I don't blame them. Uh, but here's what they have to say about Drew Barrymore's show. Drew Barrymore's talk show returned for its fourth season October 16th without its previous writing staff, with its writers from last season having been offered but declining the opportunity to return. It proved that it's possible to run a show like this without any writers with experience on the show, just so long as you whittle away any connected tissue that makes an interview legible and maybe including some long wordless sequences of horseback riding for good measure. Drew Barrymore earlier this year seemed to be riding high as one of the standard bearers of the sweetly sunny post Ellen daytime landscape tanked her public image last month with a subset of the audience by announcing that she'd be bringing her show back September 18th before the Writers Guild strike had concluded. She reversed her decision. Her writers departed the show, leaving Barrymore in the unenviable position of having to launch her show when she would have anyway, just without the people who had been stringing it all together. Look, I think it's kudos to Drew Barrymore for making the right decision, but obviously it came at a price. And, uh, you know, we don't have much to cover with the Golden Bachelor, but we've got Golden Ladies Reba McIntyre and Dolly Parton here. Reba McIntyre says Dolly Parton can only be contacted via fax. Dolly does not text. What a great life that is. Could you imagine? Hey, fax me. Like what? Now, don't get me wrong. They do have software set up so that you can email somebody. And then on the other end, it'll fax them that email. But boy, is this funny. Reba has said that the only way she's able to contact her fellow country music legend is via fax. The singer recently appeared on Watch What Happens Live with Andy Cohen. And she revealed that despite having worked with Parton regularly, she still has no other way to communicate with her. Hey, good for her. You know, uh, Bill Murray has a voicemail line that apparently is what he uses to even his agent has to use to get in touch with him. So I'm all about it. Now, as you guys know, because of uh, how closely we follow pop culture news, we also have to follow, you know, uh, what goes into making content and making shows. And even though the Writers Guild strike is over, the uh, Screen Actors Guild strike is not. Here is Fran Dresser. Remember her from The Nanny? She's the president of SAG. Firing back at the studio heads after negotiations broke down. Let's hear what she had to say. Oh, wrong. And it's so unfair that they walked out of the meeting and so disrespectful. SAG after President Fran Drescher firing back at the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers and its CEO leaders for what she calls corporate greed. They talk at you. They really don't want to hear what you have to say or why you're saying it. On the picket lines, actors say they're disappointed but determined. So this is the part of the movie where the hero gets knocked down and you think they're out. And this is the part where you double down and you come back and win the day. The AMPTP, which represents streamers and major studios, including NBC's parent company, saying it is clear that the gap between the AMPTP and SAG-AFTRA is too great and conversations are no longer moving us in a productive direction. 
Compensation for streaming shows appears to be the major obstacle to a deal. The new Writers Guild contract includes a bonus system for hit shows and films. But Netflix CEO Ted Sarandos at Bloomberg's Screen Time Conference says a recent SAG-AFTRA proposal for what he called a levy on subscribers was a non-starter. It just felt uh, like a very like a bridge too far. The AMPTP uh, says that a bridge too far. By the way, I look at it this way. I look at it as though we should have a minimum wage at minimum of around $20 an hour. And people say, well, if the minimum wage is $20 an hour, then McDonald's won't be able to serve you uh, hamburgers that are $3 or whatever, right? And I say, well, look, fine. Companies should not be in business if they cannot pay their employees a standard of living that would be something that they can afford to have as their main job. Like, you, gone are the days where we're like, all right, just have three, four different jobs. No. If a company can't afford to pay someone a basic and minimum wage, they don't deserve to exist. Now, how does this relate back to Screen Actors Guild? Well, the streamers say, well, look, we would have to throw the prices higher for our companies if these if the actors wanted to get paid more and it's like well do what you have to do and if your app isn't good enough people won't subscribe to it but if the actors aren't making any money and the writers aren't making any money and all the people that go into the heart and soul of making content if they're not making any money then why should you have the right to air them on your streaming service now, obviously, the only reason they do have that right is from previous contracts, but nobody knew what they were getting into with Netflix and Amazon and Disney. It was supposed to be some like side little thing. Maybe once in a while you watch the streamer. It has become the main way people consume content. And with that, there are, there is a very shoddy residual program that exists. I think most people that don't understand the search this the circumstance think this is all entitled actors like George Clooney trying to make too much money. And it's like, no, no, no. This is a middle class issue. This is an issue of people that are, you know, for every George Clooney, there's a hundred other actors or a thousand that are just trying to get by. And if they don't get fair compensation, there'll be no actors to make these projects. And speaking of journeymen, Hannah Ann from The Bachelor, her husband is a journeyman running back. He was cut by the Indianapolis Colts last week and has now joined the Dolphins. Um, I think we had uh, some information. The Dolphins signed former Indy Colts running back Jake Funk to their practice squad, the team announced Tuesday. Funk replaces running back uh, Darrington Evans, who was on Miami's practice squad, but signed to the Chicago Bears. So a lot of shuffling going on. Hannah Ann had this to say. I've met the kindest people ever in Indiana. Truly have never felt so welcomed and supported. I will miss everyone I have met there so much. You never know what the future holds, but I will be back to visit all the wonderful people I met during my time there. Thank you to every person that reached out while I was there for your support and recommendations. That Midwest charm is something special. Now, no offense to Indianapolis, Indiana, but Hannah Ann just hit the lottery. The fact that she gets to move from Indiana to Miami. I mean, look, hey, don't get mad at me, folks, but I think just in time for the winter, Miami might be a little bit of a nicer place to be. What are your thoughts? All right, don't hate me. I'll take all the nice five-star reviews from our Indiana friends and our Florida friends as well. All right, we've got a lot of content coming to you this week. Don't forget, we're going to be covering F-Boy Island after we go to the premiere today. We'll have all that up on the new vlog channel. There'll be a link below or just search Tasha Courtney and Dave Neal do fun things. And we'll be back later and tomorrow with more content. As always, I've been Dave Neal and this was Bachelor Rush Hour. Hour.